Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotler. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry about the little uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotler. Hot, 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 oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. mean it's time for episode 140 of Radio Hot Lap, that light-hearted podcast that takes a look at the world of motor racing, cool emerging technologies, gadgets and barbecues. JP, you're here with me once again. I am Johnny, back at World Headquarters of Radio Hot Lap. But you're not the important person tonight, no, nor not. is Ashley who's here to talk hey, about Ashley, Dean, the problems of windows. Yeah. It's uh, Mike Drewer and his son Tom who are here to join us for the evening. How are you guys? Good mate, how are you? Absolutely, good, brilliant. Well, I'm very impressed by this, that's the best radio station I've ever been in. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> good you know a little bit about radio and you're just not letting on, but I'm sure it'll come uh, come out later. A glass of red wine's good anyway. <laughs> it is. But that's the beer glass, I gave you the wine glass. Well you see, I don't even know the difference. <laughs> At least it's glass. <laughs> in fact, uh, we just start the show off by saying, um, what are you all having a drink tonight, Tom? Actually, I'm just... A Cooper's again, eh? <laughs> well, you know, I don't mind a Cooper's actually when I'm home. So there you go. Yeah, well, what do you drink when you're over there? Uh, actually, the, the Pabs Blue Ribbon that won an award in uh, about or oh, 1801 or something like that. That's, uh, that's a particularly nice drop, and they're still sort of trading on the fact that it won that award back in 1801. So... Uh, I think it comes in for about around about a dollar a dollar a pint. Right, excellent, dollar excellent pint. choice, Mike. Uh, you're on the on the red in the Stella Artois glass, but uh, <laughs> what are you actually having? Well, it's a Taylor's actually, uh, a Shiraz Cabernet, Promised Land, 2006. So uh, good old Clear Valley, and then a very very nice drop. 45 minutes, we'll be in the Promised Land. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Ashley. We are, I'm having a James Bay Premium Light, but we'll soon be graduating to a Hawke's Bay Morbeck Merlot from New Zealand. Oh, you do like going to New Zealand for a red, don't you? I do. And for other things as well. But we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> well, what other things? <laughs> we'll leave that for <laughs> another day. leaving for another day. <laughs> and what yeah, about I'm you? On the, uh, I'm on the James Bogues. Since I bought it with me, so, you know, that makes sense. Oh, me? sorry, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Ashley's already thanked me, it's okay. Well, JP, uh, mate, do you want to kick off uh, uh, episode 140? Because uh, there's lots to talk about. Well, and, there is. Uh, and a, a little bit from us, but a lot from other people. Absolutely. Uh, we want uh, Tom to tell us about his uh, adventures in uh, the American Le Mans series, having won the Thunder Sport category here in Australia and then uh, ventured over to the US to, to go on uh, to take out the, uh, the Level 2 IMSA Lights Championship in 2008 and on, on his debut season there, moving up to L1 and now on to bigger and better things. Uh, not to be outdone, of course, by his father, the media or slash publicity director of Clipsal 500, which is turning out to be apparently quite a large event. Well, it, well, it has turned out. The time. only problem with that, I'm these days known as Tom's dad. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be Mike Drewer. Well, it's, it's, well, it's good when it all goes wrong. <laughs> JP, do you want to go off first? So we're going to kick off with Formula One, you think, or V8 supercars? It's up to you. Well, come on. You're supposed to be giving me a little bit of, you know, 
Formula One, Formula, Formula One, there, okay. Or uh, well, Pedro de la Rosa has um, it, uh, he's uh, made the um, thunder, made the cut to uh, the BMW Sauber team, and it's about time because he's um, he's one of 57 drivers who scored in his uh, Grand Prix debut points. Yes, and uh, mate, he's going to go on and drive a bit more for everyone else. There's all sorts well, of information. I'm going to pass it over to you. Can read it. You've been testing for how long now? He's been testing for McLaren for quite a while. He's got to be so. Uh, he's got to be better than Luca Badara. Well, you would hope so. Most people are. <laughs> <laughs> so, seventy-one Grand Prix. There you go. Best result. Second place in Hungary in two thousand and six. When did he last race for Arrows? So there you go. Yes, was it Arrows. I think it was. Yeah. Oh, he debuted with Arrows. Yes, I think he did. Too. I think yeah. If you if you look Back down with Damon there, Hill. the statistics are actually interesting. He's 38, second oldest driver in Formula One. He oh, would be the been, oldest if Schumacher hadn't come back. He's been to the John Bow School so. of Lying. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mike, you've got some so. input on this. What do you think? How old is John Bow? Oh, look, look, look. <laughs> I know he's got his seniors card. <laughs> <laughs> he loves a discount. Well, he does, he that's where he gives himself away yeah. because, as we know, JB doesn't like spending a quid. So, but when he produces the seniors card and he tells everybody he's thirty-five, it's a bit of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit of a problem. Oh. So yes, yeah, so Rice is uh, in at thirty-eight years old, which is going to be, I think, it'd be interesting. Uh, see how he goes. Sure, we did a bit of testing there a, a couple of weeks or well, last week. In fact, uh, at uh, Jerez, I think, Mike and uh, Tom. Um, yeah, well, with uh, Supernova, but the weather wasn't uh, amicable, really. But nonetheless, you know, they they got he got some laps in, he got a bit of seat time, and I suppose I think you know next month he'll be let loose in the new car. Big prediction there from Ross Braun going and saying he's going to do it, he's mm. going to win it. Why would he want to come back, Mike? I've really no idea. I just can't work it out. To me, I think it's a real puzzle. I mean, why would he do He's it? not cash-strapped. Uh, no, I wouldn't have thought so. But he, did he really want to retire when he when he did retire? I think that's really the issue. I think he he, he, he sort of did, but he, his heart really didn't want him to retire. He wanted to keep racing. Well, and also it's the German team with the Z German driver. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, it yeah. is the dream team for them. And I guess if uh, Mercedes-Benz invested a whole lot of money into your youth and uh, the start of your career in motorsport maybe there's something to be repaid there well maybe there is and uh, if they sort of tap you on the shoulder and go how about coming out of retirement for us what are you going to say back to the fatherland <laughs> not the fatherland as well. is. i see um the war of words is or the war of psyching out should i call it has started already um uh, Stefano Domenicali actually got it how do you get semi right uh, from Ferrari has uh, basically said that um, Alonso is ready to defeat him again in inverted commas so uh, be very interesting to uh, to see what happens in in that it's uh, a renewal of what they class as a classic rivalry between uh, Schumacher and Alonso so uh, yeah Ferrari uh, really um, Stirring the pot, I suppose you could say, even though they were supposedly very happy to let him go and not make a fuss about the fact he went to Mercedes. Surely Schumacher's got to look out for the young boys, though. I mean, it's (laughs) going to be people like Vettel, I think, that are are going Mm. to cause him more problems. And, you know, I mean, after all, you could argue possibly that it was young Schumacher coming on the scene that that, um, really put the pressure on Senna. Yes. And uh, it'd be a terrible thing for you know Schumacher to uh, 
maybe suffer the same fate if, if he's put under intense pressure by another young driver that's the up and coming, the, the new, younger, better, fitter version of him. <laughs> and I think, I think that's, a, that's an interesting point, Tom, because the one thing that worries me about it, I mean, Schumacher's, you know, his record stands for itself. But everybody's now analysing that again, and they'll reanalyse it. And I'm already talking about, well, you know, he won a few of his championships, and, you know, like he wasn't known exactly in terms of, without being controversial and saying some of those championships were won, some yes. of his driving. And he's going to be under this microscope from now on. Mm. And, you know, nothing less than a victory. I mean, it's going to be seen as a failure, certainly by the popular press. No, no that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but there will be a heck of a lot of pressure on him. And I think what Tom's saying, even though, you know, the, the unfortunate thing with, uh, with, with Ayrton when he died, you know, in a car that clearly wasn't, you know, wasn't the best Williams, it probably was one of the worst Williams, but Schumacher probably is going to have to drive harder than he's ever driven before, which you just wonder about that. Mm. You just wonder about that. Yeah, it could be a situation where, uh, the, you know, the, the, the pressure that he's under, that he will start to go, well, hang on a minute, I, I really do need to prove it to myself again, yeah, even though he yeah. doesn't need to. And, and you know, we've mm. seen this countless times with, with, with racing car drivers, I mean, like... Uh, um, who even gone off onto other high-powered sports like Didier Peroni, like yes. losing his life in, in, in off-road. Uh, off-road. Well, he was off-road. Yeah, he was definitely off-road. He was definitely <laughs> way off the road. Couldn't get much further off Offshore power-boat <laughs> racing. I mean, <laughs> I think that any time you go to do something like that, you, you're running a risk anyway. Yeah. Doing offshore power boat and I reckon it's like, you know, whether it's Trekkie to Footy or something like that, you watch the guys that have been past championships, they come back for a social match, and I mean, apart from that, they might sort of do a hammy or whatever you do in football, but they never lose it. They want to win. Oh, yeah, but, and, but their level of fitness never goes. Yeah. and maybe the coordination of everything is not quite the same. Yeah. But like everybody, they don't quite accept that. I don't think that's the big risk, what you're saying about people, these guys are going to other sports. But they're not exactly what they were when they were the champion in mm. their, their chosen sport. And he's made himself the target for everyone else because mm. like, they're almost like they're saying... Saying, look, he was the previous generation. If he comes back and he brains us, we're going to look like dummies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think, you know, you mentioned the war of words before. I think uh, Rosberg's already been out on the offensive too, saying that you know that he's ready for Schumacher and ready mm. to take him on. So mm. maybe, uh, maybe it will be the the younger German star that takes the limelight. Well, we've got the. Uh, Could I ask a a question, please? Yeah. How how long has he been retired? Three years. Three seasons, yeah. Okay, three seasons. So, so, so when he comes back and he sits in, in a new technology car, okay, will he find the technology overwhelming? It's a good point, actually. I mean, because the technology or the regulations have changed a bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think he'd find it daunting, but it is a new deal, and, and, I, and I reckon that that's another thing he's got to go through. I mean, he's got to get his head around yeah. it. But I think, I think Tom's point about the young guys, because let's face it, in terms of their careers, the first notch you've got to have in, the, in your belt, you, you know, if Schumacher's on the track, you've got to be faster. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can get beaten by Vettel or another whatever because they say, oh, these guys are all there, but, oh, you know, you've got to beat Schumacher. Conversely, Mike, I think there could be quite a lot of foxing going on. Because, oh, we are. Uh, they're, well, they're always 
Uh, On the other hand, it could be the world's greatest publicity stunt by Bernie Eccleston. Well, I mean, they had to, they had to yeah, do well, something, didn't they? I mean, I think that's... that's, that's uh, Bernie's looking for a quid. You know? And the figure that he's being paid actually doesn't seem very high when you, in relative terms, mm. what, what's going on. But the technology of the cast, in some respects, I think it's actually a little bit more simplified because some of the smarts yeah, have gone away, stuff and, and, um, and they're probably it's come back now. He's sort of he's almost missed the era of the uh, the, the the ties with the um, the group yeah, ties. Group ties and yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. the other the, the other question to ask maybe is if he's going to get uh, another another Barrichello. Is is uh, Ross Braun going to give him a second driver to, uh, to fend off? Just fend off the opposition and and win Schumacher well, no, races a, and championships. That's a good point too. Because let's face mm. it, I think uh, there may have been some different outcomes if if Barrichello had not been there, so willing to sure. to uh, play into Schumacher's hands. Yeah. Mm. yeah well, we're. Come the uh, Australian Grand Prix, which would be the real first Grand Prix because the bar race is sort of run around, you know, in the sandy spot, you know, (laughs) Um, know, with no with no crowd, you know. (laughs) That's well, like we've got, we've got two practice for the eight races over in Sandy Land. That's right, <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. well, it doesn't matter how much rubber you put there, they'll be blown away the next day. So, um, yeah, it's a case of, I personally think, heading off the charge of sports car racing because um, it's making a big uh, it's making a big impact. Now, Tom, tell us about um, your season last year, moving into uh, level one of IMSA lights. Um, wasn't quite as wasn't quite as easy. Or rather, well, maybe well, that's the wrong word. It didn't go just, quite as much to plan. No, I just had some things that uh, didn't didn't quite go to plan, like getting a black flag for no reason midway oh, yeah, through the that, season. That was so. that that was silly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, we discount that. That's that's. But no, really, I mean, you, had, you will had have to year. do your officialdom. <laughs> so you know, there will be a point where nothing makes sense. <laughs> no, I had a had a had a really good year, second year in America, and I've well and truly, I think, completed my apprenticeship now over in the States. Um, you know, moved up to Lights One, which is a much faster car, more competition, uh, much more serious car in the sense that there's a few more things to play around with in, inside the cockpit. Um, Just give the viewers a, a bit of an overview about the difference between L2 well, and L1 in spec. Essentially, the L1 car, I guess, is basically a Formula 3 tub. Uh, it, it's built by Alain Technologies or Panos, and uh, so it's a full carbon fibre single-seater tub. And uh, mated to the back of that is a 2.3 litre Mazda normally aspirated engine. Um, and uh, But I guess what makes the, the Light Swan car is quite unique, and... Um, what gives them a, a reasonable amount of advantage over a Lights 2 car is is just the size, or apart from the power, the size of the floor on them. And uh, again, it's a full tunnel floor. So, like the old Indy cars and things, there's a huge amount of downforce being created by that tunnel floor. Um, and that really just allows the, the Lights 1 car to corner faster. It's got bigger brakes, bigger everything. It's a little bit heavier than the Lights 2 car, but uh, overall the performance is is increased and um, you know we're cornering a, a few seconds a lap faster. Is it a bit of a mind game when you go from a car which doesn't have as much downforce for someone that, that does you sort of got to tell yourself hang on a minute I know this car will stick the harder I go the better it will stick I mean yeah where do, you, where do you get the balance mentally? Well that's what I love about 
uh, downforce cars. I mean, uh, I think that's why I want to uh, race Le Mans prototypes. You know, it's there is something about high downforce cars. It is that mental challenge of going. You know, your your brain. I think is a really good um, teller of how fast you you should be allowed to go around a corner. You know, even on the road, you kind of know. Like, you know, you might see those. 40 kilometer an hour signs around the corner and you think yeah I know I can do about 70 around here but if but that's where your sort of mind stops and the downforce car allows you to maybe go a hundred around that corner so um, you've you've got to keep telling yourself that the car is capable uh, the classic example is turn uh, seven at Road Atlanta which is a really slow corner and going in there at about uh, 50 miles an hour, the car feels like crap, and uh, it doesn't feel like you should be able to push it any harder, and then going in there at 60 mile an hour, the car starts to stick, uh, and at 61 mile an hour, it's off the track again, so there's sort of that little sweet spot that sometimes happens with the, the lower speed corners, but um, high speed, it's just just wonderful, I mean, there's I, I can't get much more of a thrill than than... Uh, correcting a car at 130 miles an hour around a, a flat-out right-hander or something like that, you know. I mean, I just really think of my, probably the most thrilling lap of this year was um, at New Jersey and when I put it on pole and, uh, you know, the the vision from that lap is, is pretty crazy how many times I corrected it or whatever, but that was absolutely on the limit of that car and, you know, there being on the limit of a downforce car is it far exceeds anything any tin top that's for sure yeah absolutely <laughs> so you, what you're saying is that, that when you're at, at the, in the really high speed stuff with with a, a high downforce car it's actually easy to drive it at, at the higher echelon of, of, of grip and, and, and control uh, the mid the mid the, the mid and lower speed corners is it's very very marginal and what's, yeah, it what's, just depends what's the optimum when that, solution it depends when that downforce kicks in I guess but um, you know and obviously you, you the cars you're trying to get mechanical grip and then you've got the aero grip on top of that so sometimes you do get into these funny corners where you seem to be in a void but um, I don't know if it's easier driving at high speed it's just a different sensation and that's that's the thrill I mean I think that you know particularly the, the circuits over in America are, are very high speed circuits places like Mossport which is just a total roller coaster and uh, you know you, you know the consequences of a circuit like that I mean uh, in fact the first time I went there uh, just for reconnaissance you know, I was watching a historic meeting and a, and a guy unfortunately got killed there that the circuits are very fast some of them are very dangerous and so you you are well aware of the consequences but I guess that's the thrill you, your mind's telling you that you shouldn't be able to do this go around the, around that corner that fast and, and you can oh, that's, yeah. so what about setting up time I mean like when you when you've got these high downforce cars do you have to spend a lot more time and energy on setup just to get it spot on for every circuit and what's the what's the uh, and the trade-off with tyre wear managing a drop-off? Well, in terms of setting up for the cars, I mean the biggest trick I've had for the last two years is pretty much everywhere I've gone has been a brand new circuit. So for me, uh, you know, much of the testing or much of the setup time has been uh, just just learning the circuit and 
or certainly the first couple of sessions, I think I've always been a little bit behind because you've got to dial into the circuit and, oh. and push on that new circuit. Um, but then, yeah, uh, you know, work very closely with the engineers and, and uh, they've got a, obviously a pretty good idea of where the setting should be for a particular circuit. And a lot of the time it is about making sure that you can get to the limit of the car before you can go and change uh, the, the downforce levels front and rear or indeed try and get a bit more or a bit less mechanical grip to, to balance the car out. So uh, in, you know, in terms of the tyre wear we haven't really had a problem that we've been running on hand cooked tyres and, Very and durable. They've, they've been uh, great, uh, particularly on the Lights 2 car which was a bit lighter. Um, last year we did have a couple of problems with blistering and obviously the amount of downforce that's created even in a half hour race is, or 45 minute race is you know, to get excessive blistering on tyres, you know you're obviously working the car really hard. Um, the races aren't long enough that uh, a, a tyre, that a tyre could be, be more beneficial towards the end, and so you could play that strategy, or is not, it a, Yeah, not, not really, quite yet? not quite. Um, you know, when we, in the seasons, we've usually had one, uh, what they call a, an endurance race, which I guess is it's just a longer sprint race, an hour, 15 minutes, uh, with a, a mandatory pit stop. And, um, you know, no one looked at really changing tyres in that. And uh, it, it didn't seem as though we really had a problem with the tyre wear for, the, for those particular races. It was actually the shorter, shorter races at places like Lime Rock, which is quite a small circuit, but very high loads and where the where the tires did seem to let us down a little bit um, but you know predominantly Hankook have done a pretty good job with a with a spec tire that that does last very well and you know has has a reasonable amount of grip uh, you know I just think it's that symptom of of again just a, a car with tremendously high downforce and you know that allows you to obviously corner a lot faster and put a lot more load through those sure. through that rubber Look, as you move up into to the, the, the higher categories and into prototypes, obviously that will become a, a mental challenge and, you know, it'll be something that you, like a Monopoly game, you know, when to buy and sell and sort of with tyres. Yeah. You, uh, you tested the, the American variant of the Le Mans uh, challenge car. Was it uh, the Le Mans... Um, was the LMPC car? The LMPC car. car. Yeah. What was what they got? It's Formula Le Mans yeah. uh, car over there. And I think, uh, well, mate, Gunner Jeanette shook the car down for the first time. Yeah, you he know. shook the car down and shook it right into the gravel trap. Did he? Oh, hey, you know. Like, <laughs> no, he probably, right. probably thought he was jumping off mountains. <laughs> no, no, look, um, that was uh, obviously a fantastic opportunity. And uh, there was uh, a few of us selected to uh, test the car yeah, out that Guy day. Cosmo, I think, was there. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, and you know it was great uh, to get into a full-size prototype uh, and uh, obviously a pretty nice chassis being the the same chassis that Orica used for their LMP1 car and uh, and it's actually the same tub that started off uh, the Acura program as well yep okay for their so LMP2. it's like a, there's some Nick Worth involvement there yeah the, I think so yeah and, that would um, make sense yeah. so you know, but what was just amazing about that car, just straight away, was was the brakes, uh, carbon carbon brakes. I'd never driven anything with those, and um, it know, brakes quicker than it accelerates. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, which and, is usually and, the other way around. Really, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, finally getting on the Michelin tires. You know, we're normally rubbing on uh, running on Michelin rubber, which is sometimes problematic. And I know a lot of the other guys seem to suggest that 
maybe Michelin have found a way to, to compromise other people's rubber uh, when it gets laid down on the circuit. But those tyres are just unbelievable. There's, there's, there's no doubt the uh, French can build a good tyre. Oh, there's uh, A and B rubber. <laughs> as, you, as you'll find out the higher you get up, you know. But, but we won't know till after the event. We're but. still talking tyres, are we? <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what's the drivetrain? Is it a LAN engine or is it a Judd? Or uh, it's actually got a uh, Corvette engine in it, right. stock Corvette, uh, mated to an X-Track uh, okay. gearbox. So, so yeah, a little bit down on horsepower compared to... Is it sequential to, uh, shifter? Yes. First yep. time with uh, sequential? No, the... It's actually this was a paddle shifter, so similar to the West that I drove two years ago. Right. Um, last year, the Alan had a sequential Hewland in it with a yeah, with a stick, so um, it was just you know banging them through, and uh, so it's it's you know it's always nice to have the sort of PlayStation uh, on the on the steering wheel, I guess. <laughs> well, mate, it's January twenty, new decade. What's the plan? Uh, well, heading back to the States, you know, I said before I've done my apprenticeship now and, uh, you know, really was was great at the end of the year to to get a lot of feedback from the motorsport press in America and, and indeed some in Europe as well that, uh, you know, they're expecting me to make that leap up into the main game this year and um, to get a call from from teams, you know, from uh, Creation uh, Autosport and uh, a few other teams after they saw me at Road Atlanta, uh, you know, it's meant that now I'm being considered for a main game drive and that's what 2010 is all about. Uh, it's making that progression from a junior category to, to, to the real deal. Very exciting stuff, so obviously you'll be in something that uh, yet to be uh, revealed at uh, Sebring. Yeah, hopefully so. Um, you know, we're we're still trying to put the all the right backings together uh, to make the the right deal happen. And uh, but there's certainly some deals on the table. And uh, you know, it's it's always going to be that trick whenever anyone's moving up through the ranks of motorsport. The the sponsorship and funding uh, have a critical role. But. Um, yeah, I think we'll be on the grid in something at Sebring and, and uh, you know, if not certainly the big races of this year and as I say, uh, you know, it's this year, 2010 for me is definitely about the America Le Mans series. I'm not interested in driving uh, in a junior category uh, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. It's very exciting, Fantastic. isn't it, father of Tom Drew? <laughs> yeah, well it is and I mean, it's... It, it's it's actually quite odd from where I sit because I mean I got Tom into this this mess. <laughs> um, I mean, Let me tell you, Andrew Medici saying exactly the yeah, same thing. Yeah, because uh, I sort of got him a go kart when he was about five or six, and he started you know the normal thing started racing that. Started at the uh, Woolworths car park. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, in Goodwood <laughs> Road, the Woolworths yeah. car park. Because uh, uh, and he was big that, w. and he, he's not exactly a big guy now, but he was that small, you know, literally in the smallest go kart that blocks on the pedals and all that sort of caper. But to see what's happened and. Uh, the fact that you know Tom's been prepared to do what he wants to do and to go to the states, um, obviously I'm very very proud. I mean, it sort of worries the hell out of me when I'm watching. Uh, I can get live timing um, from the American Le Mans on the 
computer at night, and I swear at the computer. When there's a flip and you go, well, hang on, like, yeah. Where, yeah. Where's, where's the data now? Yeah, <laughs> they're long right. circuits in America, yeah, so yeah, like the two uh, minutes must be eternal hell so this, to make uh, sure I popped up again. a lot of holding of breath. Yeah. But... But I think it's, it's, and I mean, obviously, because Tom's my son, I'm very proud of him, but I think it's what motor racing and what Australia needs, and, you know, how Tom goes, that's going to be up to him. But I think it's just great that while we've got, you know, V8 supercars and whatever in Australia, fantastic, but there is a bigger world out there. And because of the dominance of V8 supercars in this country, the only place people can actually experience other cars and whatever is overseas. You know, at, at a professional level, and uh, and I think you know, it's like everything else. If you if you're going to have a throw at the stumps, you've got to have a good one, and that's what I'm proud about, Tom, because he's having a good throw at the stumps. Look, I think that uh, you've you've got to do that, and it, it's always had been. I think a, lo a lot of had been the case. You've got to go to Europe. You've got to yeah. go to Europe, and then there were you know barriers. And if we look back, like, let's say ten years, you know, Craig Lowndes had a difficult time, and some have done well. David Brabham, you know, mm. who incidentally, you know, uh, had just received his Formula Three yes, championship know, trophy, isn't that you know, after twenty years down the track. So I'm going, oh, Christ, I have to buy that thing uh, <laughs> because of a, um, a a a discrepancy there with Alan McNish, uh, and, and you know, of course, right. he's been awarded that. But uh, you know, one one mustn't forget, you know, Russell. Uh, you know, yes, and, and, and other drivers mm -hmm. like Alan Jones and, and so on like that had, had, had achieved all sorts mm -hmm. of uh, stuff in Europe. But we don't think too much about America and like Marcus Ambrose is like really Absolutely. set the, yeah. the, 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 the standard there. You get you know, other drivers like Steve Owen who are doing things like Camping World Series mm -hmm. and so on like that. And um, uh, on a radio hotlap exclusive. Yes. I'd like to uh, tell you tonight that I had a call this afternoon from um, from George Medici to uh, uh, to tell me that he will not be going to the US to Is drive. Right? He will not be going to the US to drive with uh, with wretched uh, wretched 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 wretched. I didn't know you cared. <laughs> <laughs> but rather, will be uh, receiving uh, very strong support and uh, a second car from. Uh, Doherty Racing with Marcus Ambrose. Is that right? Um, mm. Now that'll come public um, in, in about 48 mm. hours, but uh, JTG Doherty has uh, agreed to take him on board and um, uh, he's going to be right under under the wing there. And of course, like under a name like that, that, that can only be good for, for him and also for the the, the profile of any Australian going overseas, which mm. which will obviously in, in in weird ways will flow on, and and I said uh, to to him this afternoon, look, I'm probably going to be over at Sebring to see Dominic Farnbacher, and, and and you'll be there, no doubt. And he's going, oh, come on, I'm going to come down because when you when you get away, any little bit <laughs> of Australia is good. It's almost like sort of. Crikey, can I get on a Qantas flight? Because just go. You want Raylene to say you want to stop it down in 14B? You know, like you know, you suddenly you feel better. So uh, that's uh, great news. There is. It's amazing how many uh, Australians are doing well over in America at the moment, though. You know, I mean, if you IndyCar is just phenomenal yep. at the moment the with Davison, Briscoe yeah. and uh, Power and, uh, and yeah. James Davison in uh, Indy Lights, and you know, I think uh, it is a great time to be an Australian overseas and particularly probably in America. Um, 
It is helpful that he is dating one of the daughters from the George Club, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I've been telling Tom that might be a huge career move. <laughs> yeah, very good. I'm not sure that yeah, she fits look, the I, jig, though. But, <laughs> but anyway. I, uh, you know, I... I am very good friends with Dan Panos, but um, <laughs> his two daughters are both spoken for, so I was very disappointed well, to hear that. You're lucky know? because he, um, uh, <laughs> having spent a couple of years there with, with Don and Danny, I, I'm not a real fan of the uh, Shadow of Land wines. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but anyway, you know, someone had to do it. Someone had to do wine in Georgia. Exactly. <laughs> I think he was told he couldn't, but he's proven them wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. But it's interesting what you say about you know going to America rather than Europe. And I mean, let's face it, a lot of it's budget related. I mean, we looked, when I say we, sure. Tom and I looked at what he could do within a budget um, because we don't have a, a lot of funding. And, um, you know, the American, the American co uh, costs compared to the European costs are quite reasonable. And I mean, it's very expensive, let's not get that wrong, but there, it's reasonable, you, you know, what a Formula 3 season costs in, in Britain and whatever, you're talking big dollars, yeah, huge money. you know, and yet you can go to America and probably get started in something what Tom's doing for more like a Fujitsu budget. And you can actually and make you know, a living can, out of it. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, look, Ambrose well, has just come Ambrose up on the, on, just on the rich the, list. Hit the rich list today, mm. you know, as the first oh, motor mayor for first motorsports person from Australia to actually hit the rich list in a in a what would you class as a decent sort well, actually, of level. I'm just making you know? the announcement. I'm just moving into NASCAR today. <laughs> I think after that, then I mean, a lower yeah. form. Then I, I'm, not, so. I'm not trying to drive the, the conversation or the standard <laughs> downwards, but you can make a fortune coming last at Indy 500. <laughs> that, that because of just the sheer economy of scale and the volume and the, and. The, I mean, that's just, you know, from a, from a web designer point of view, I mean, like, the, they've got, like, 30 people working on the web team there at NASCAR. I mean, it's just, like, sort of, like, like wow, that's, that's just the scale. But it is an yeah. amazing environment. You know, the, at the end of the day, America's, like, over 300,000 people. Yes. Million, we're, we're, we're million, 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 million rather, exposure yeah. anywhere else. Yeah. And, um, you know, it it's, it's just that scale of economy. And uh, motorsport's no different. I mean, the amount of motorsport that is that is on every weekend in America and uh, you know it's certainly I think it's certainly given me the opportunity to to put myself in front of uh, the world stage and in front of you know people like Audi and people uh, people like Roger Penske and all those guys that have been involved with the America Le Mans series so you know my goal is Le Mans 24 hour and um, Obviously, racing over there in, in such a strong series, I think it's it's a great opportunity to to attack that goal and to, to make make the next step. But it is it is funny because well, not funny, probably not funny for Tom, but I know when he won his first race in the L2 uh, at Sebring when he first went over in the West, and actually it was the same time as Melbourne Grand Prix was on, so I was over Melbourne Grand Prix with the Australian GT Championship, and um, I got this phone call. That, at that stage I hadn't worked out I could actually get the thing on the computer but um, so he rang me and you know, and he said I've won and I actually sort of, you know, it took me a while to comprehend it was three yeah, hours yeah that's right yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I was staying with some mates and I sort of woke them up eventually two bolts of promise Liam that's right and um, did that but then you know the, you know, sort of on the podium and all that sort of stuff but because the budget was so tight he ended up, you know, after getting back to Atlanta Airport or wherever, getting a bus to where he was staying, 
and yet what a few weeks afterwards some guy picked you up in a, a private Learjet to take you up to Canada because he wanted to he would have wanted time to teach him how to drive a West. Isn't and so, you know, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's one level yeah. on the next, you know. Yeah, I think I, I live the, I live both the, um, the bum on the streets lifestyle and also the superstar rock stars. You know, it just goes from one day to the other. Well, you've got to do that if you're going to do a book. I nearly had the perfect chapter, actually. I was um, living in Athens earlier this year and uh, the, the, my engineer who... Athens, Athens Georgia. Athens, yeah, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 Which yeah, is yeah. sort of a chapter in itself, I guess. But um, <laughs> I was living with my engineer and he... Un, un, Fortunately for me, he got married, so I got kicked out, oh, and right. uh, I had to find a place to live. and And I was actually looking at moving in to, with two lesbians, and I thought that would be the perfect chapter in my book, you know, <laughs> living with you know chapter thirteen, living with two lesbians. But it didn't happen, so uh, yeah, it's a pity. I mean, at least they'd leave you alone, but they'd probably come round. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, welcome, Rusty Sausage, to the oh, show. Yeah, it's good on you. Yeah. All right, before we get on to uh, what's going on with Clipsoff Hammer and the V8 Supercar Championship, because I've got a few interesting questions for Mike, we'll just yes. do a quick go on, you sausage, go on. <laughs> um, just wrapping up uh, the Autosport uh, International, David Brabham uh, had his charity karting oh, right. event yep. there, and uh, Alan Simpson made a dick of himself. But that's okay, but uh, as we'd expect over there. But uh, in his Vodafone outfit, it's all right, mate. He did all right. Um, uh, he had his Vodafone outfit on. Yeah, he did no, have radio his Vodafone outfit. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's what right, stuffed that's it right, up. Yeah, no, no. Giving the love back to Roland, though. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, the Aquila, uh, Lazarek Nielsen's new company that he's yes. uh, been uh, purchasing. The Aquila CI1, which is uh, yep. now being run in the Brit Car Championship. A beautiful oh, cool. car has uh, got a lot of press there and uh, took a lot of a uh, lot of interest. Uh, the website I booked them apparently. Uh, at uh, oh no, we're not going there. We're you, you've got it. What Chevron GR? Chevron yes. and the, almost in the same guise as this. So there's a very, lot very of these kind of cars are turning up. And they're talking about maybe running the Chevron in the Brick Car Series, although it's going to be a one mate series all of its own. Very very so, interesting uh, car. It'd be very interesting to see. I'm going to confess my uh, ignorance. Is that the Chevron like the old Chevrons? Yes, <laughs> you got the four to five thousand Chevrons. Yes, yes, yes whatever. They're all we did making a, a resurgence. Three weeks yeah. ago was it on yeah, the show? They're, where they're, we do? Yeah. So they're not they doing. They're not doing FIA GT homologation. They're just going. Look, we want to build a limited number of cars at at, at, at affordable prices. And the Aquila, it's a beautiful car, which has actually like the, the pedal box, like. It can accommodate a six foot four foot person, and the pedal box just slides on pins, so you don't have to do the seat change, you know. And yeah. there's a second seat there, so you can do sponsor rides for under a hundred thousand euro. It's actually a glamour, a glamour mm. car. I actually had a drive of the thing around um, uh, a circuit in in Denmark in the middle of the year, and very very easy to drive. And what do I know about driving race cars? So. So there you go. But uh, yeah, all this stuff's coming back. So, uh, and and it is good. it's almost a bit of a nostalgia. Uh, uh, sports cars and GTs and stuff like that, I think, uh, have got a big appeal now. People are starting to get their head back around the fact that mm. you can see these things on the road, or a lot of them you can see on the road, and you see those sort of shapes and whatnot, and it's not too 
high tech and it's not a silhouette or whatever. It's a it's a real deal. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? that's right, that's right. I think you know, it's a, it's a good thing. And that's where the manufacturer's involvement is. So mm. you know, it really does uh, help to add to the show. Before we forget about, uh, well, not forget about Tom. TomDrewer.com, D-R-E-W-E-R.com. Find out what's going on there, subscribe, there's all sorts of stuff. You'll keep in touch with you during the year. You might even win a special dinner out with a funny hat at the end of the year. Who knows? But you'll work that out by the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> we'll probably be over there <laughs> competing for it. Uh, Dominic Farnbacher yes. has come on board, who's uh, been uh, driving with Alan Simonson last year off and on in oh, the hand-cooked Ferrari 430 uh, GD2, uh, renewed the deal there for the uh, LMS Asian Le Mans series. A couple of VLN races, which one has to do prior to the Nürburgring 24-hour in a secret car, which has obviously got secret hand-cooked rubber. We'll see how that goes in Le Mans 24-hour. That's good, but he's qualified uh, second, or, or pro uh, turned up second fastest oh, in a good. Porsche at uh, Daytona which uh, kicks off I think uh, must uh, be, end of next week must be all mm. those eggs that he drinks oh now Tom it's uh, <laughs> funny uh, that yeah. you're deflecting that that uh, he actually was on Skype just before you turned up to say uh, what's the story uh, I need to give you a beer with an egg in it no, no, no. He, uh, he's the one. He's, uh, I don't know. It must be something about crazy Germans or something. But he decided that uh, from the fatherland. From, <laughs> from yes, the fatherland. Yeah. He uh, and a, a few other sort of American Le Mans drivers, which probably should re remain nameless. Uh, we were all out one night, and he decided that at, at actually at Tom Tommy Milner's house, and uh, he handed me an egg. And uh, a pint of beer. Uh, he's some... such a good guy, like his dad. He, he is, and um, you know, handed me a beer and an egg at, at some ungodly hour of the morning, and um, I said to him, "Well, mate, I'm not bloody cooking your breakfast." Mm. And uh, <laughs> no, he, he decided that no, the egg was to go into the beer raw, and then everything needed to be sculled down the hatch. So uh, I did get through one and. I had a little bit of trouble with the second one, but I did down it, and yes. uh, so I don't know what that's all about. The, the Germans obviously do things a little bit different. Obviously, it works well for him, though. Like, conversely, you must have a bit of dirt on Dommy. Uh, Come on, I mean, he, you know, now that now that he's a client, he, he's going to be listening because I've said, look, here's here's the deal. We, we built we're building this new website. You have to wear a very weird hat at every event, okay. Uh, next next month is going to be a story about lederhosen for boys, um, <laughs> sausage dogs explained, and beer tips. Well, so you've already got the beer tip. So if you drink too much beer, you have your breakfast at the same time. Well, you get we'll get I we'll guess, get I guess it's just you know it's it's. Uh, it's sort of your complete diet, isn't it, really? Because you've got protein and carbohydrates right there. It's, it's just a liquid diet. Here's that Cooper's going here. Very good, very good. No <laughs> beer in it, no beer in it. No, uh, no, no in it. It's one of Dr. Tim's special uh, no-alcoholic versions. Yeah. Mike, um, bigger and better the Clips of 500 is going to be this year, but uh, I, I just... Yeah, this is the second year, uh, or perhaps an easier year, uh, that you now have the semi-permanent infrastructure. Does it get easier when the event gets bigger, or does it actually get harder? Even though you sort of know the rigmarole of how it goes, is it is it a, is it the devil in the deep blue sea? It is a bit because 
and I mean, if I rewind a bit, uh, same age, but you know, being involved with the Formula One since since '85, the first event in that year, part-time basis, then full-time on. I can remember the first proposal plan for a permanent facility in Victoria Park in 1986. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are we now? 2010. Anyway, I mean that's politics. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's, it's in consideration. Um, and and I mean clearly last year we had to and we you know did a huge upgrade in terms of the the, the temporary pit building and the shade on the grandstands and so forth and whatever, which we had to do. But the build program gets more complex. Um, there is a cost involved in all of that, and a recurrent cost, and of, and of course with you know labour, even if it's CPI or whatever. Um, so that's got to be built in. I mean, the event still does a great job in terms of its bottom line and its economic return, but it doesn't necessarily get easier. Um, we know the blueprint, we know where everything goes, but every year you've got to be on top of the game, and the motorsport board has got to be on top of its game to. I guess retain where it is because you think most events, here we're coming into our 12th year and you know most events sort of, doesn't matter what it is, sort of plateau after about five years, you know they yep. have a growth in popularity and audience and a whole range of other things. Well, it's the and law of diminishing returns. Exactly and then they yeah. you know they, they plateau and perhaps they, they like slide down a bit. Some, yeah. So I think that's where it gets harder to maintain the level and you know we've had the you know global financial crisis and all the rest of the stuff that's going on but well if you ever 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 you were going to have a year where you're going to have a tiny dip in the figures i mean you had it at the right year and i mean yeah to be expected in at the same time with townsville sort of exactly. watching i mean yeah. you can yeah. see that yeah. Yeah. V8, and, uh, and, so and i think and i think north. while you know we're still convinced that we've got the best product to offer not in terms of the total event um i mean you know bathurst is always going to be the iconic touring car race in this country and I um, mean so it should be because of the, the unique nature of the circuit but we we, we put on the carnival and, and what most people know about but if you're going to do that and now V8 supercars and indeed in the old days in Formula One people have stolen the Adelaide model which I mean I suppose imitation is the best form of flattery but I mean you know I mean Homebush was a great imitation of, of Clipsal uh, I guess town. I didn't go to Townsville was and whatever. So there is more competition in the marketplace. What Tom was talking about, the, the size of the American market. Here we've still got 23 million people. Now we've got you know X V8 rounds. So maybe there's some people that are from New Zealand that might now go to the New Zealand race, but they want to see the Australian race. They'd normally come to Adelaide. Maybe next year they'll go to Homebush. Mm. Now that's life. That's life. Yeah. But that's why it makes it tougher. Look, I, in, in most of the respects, I agree with you. What I, where I don't agree is that 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 Adelaide is not the best uh, street circuit solution across the board. Uh, yeah, yeah, Bathurst may be the from a, a motor racing perspective, but it's not really. It doesn't really work for families. And it really satisfies people for TV, whereas Adelaide, I mean, look look, here, look where we are here, you know, I can wake up in the morning mm. and you, I go, yeah, okay, walk. yep, they're out, and I walk down to the track, um, and, and I have many of the, the interesting media people want to come and stay here, because just from the simple ac- accessibility, <laughs> well, you could walk up to the house of Chow and have a bit of Chinese, That's and right. you know, you go, oh my God, that guy, he's just missed the corner, he's nearly in our dinner. Okay. You know, like it's just it's so easy well, it's to right do. Whereas Homebush is the proximity to the city. Homebush is what makes it. Oh look, Homebush is, and I was better than of, I thought. Far better than I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was 
one of the professional doubters, and I mean Me there, were there were plenty of also. us who've been involved in this industry. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised that you know, given the fact of the problem. Did you go? Yes, I did. Yeah, I was there. Okay, right. Um, and given the problems that you know that V8 supercars and indeed motor racing circuit, you know, they couldn't get a crowd at Eastern Creek. No. And there we are, Homebush, not all that different. Uh, and a not a good street circuit. I mean, let's you know the, the circuit itself not good. In fact, it reminded me a bit of Canberra. Um, but <laughs> I mean, it, it was well, we it did. was a pretty ordinary street circuit. It's just a little warmer. Yeah, in my <laughs> yeah, view, definitely. But it did work to to a large extent, and I think they can build on that. Um, and I think to crack that Sydney market, I did the motorcycle Grand Prix uh, at Eastern Creek and lived in Parramatta for six months many many years ago when it, when it left Phillip Island because of the tobacco sponsorship and you, you look at that market you look at all the population base around that area in Sydney and they couldn't crack it at Eastern Creek so I think they've made huge inroads into that market which from a commercial point of view sponsorships you know for teams and or the promoter whatever it is so important so I think they're the sorts of things that great for the V8 supercar championship in total but it does provide us with a bit of competition but that's probably good you know we've, we've got to we've got to face that competition but we have got the best street circuit, without doubt. The Pandas would be the biggest competition in Adelaide. <laughs> oh, the Pandas, yeah, yeah. Well, I, mean, I guess if we got Lance well, Armstrong, we'd probably solve oh, that problem Lance. as well. And you've got to look at the ads they've got up for the Pandas yeah. too. Who yeah. needs the Grand Prix? We've got oh, Pandas. No, that's yeah. a fair. I mean, I know. How sad is that? Like, yeah. It's been well, how long since we've we haven't had the Grand Prix? Yeah. I don't. People go on about that. I still not going to get over. Yeah, it, I think we've still got the best, you know, the best event in Australia just about. Oh, I've, oh I, I, I fully you know, that's, agree. That's the thing, going back to what you are saying before about the proximity of the city and things, it, it, that's what Melbourne didn't have. Mm. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't have, and no. I guess... And it's just another it's, event it's, in Melbourne too. Adelaide, anything that goes on in Adelaide, the whole town it takes because Sydney and Melbourne are overly stimulated yeah and that's hence there are too many things going on I am surprised uh, and pleasantly that Homebush was was such a success and you know uh, speaking of folks after it it was and he going oh it was much much better than 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 you would have thought it was going to be and well you were sort of a bit of a skeptic and (laughs) we never could be quite sure what he's actually going to say than what you thought it was going to be folks and it was but look you know I'm you know very proudly parochial about the success of the Adelaide street circuit whether it be in a Formula 1 guys or now in V8 mm. supercar guys and having done the sort of the Melbourne Grand Prix at Albert Park I actually thought that was going to be a better circuit from a driver's point of view than it is mm. I mean it's not a street circuit let's face it it's no, not, not a street really, circuit no. I mean it's, it's an artificially created circuit mm. um, but very stop go yes and it doesn't but it doesn't quite it's never had the excitement in terms of the racing that Adelaide's had because Adelaide you know it's, it's a dinkum circuit yeah. and but what Tom's saying about the atmosphere around it you just can't create that if you're out of town mm. and it is because it is right there it's in everybody's face they can hear it they can see it they can sort of put up with the disruptions while we're building it all of those things but it is literally a street circuit. I mean, many years ago I went to the Detroit Grand Prix, which was pretty interesting because they did that right in the middle of downtown Detroit to try and build up the centre, yeah, which, I you know, those races. which had not been... I mean, that place had suffered from the 60s race riots. Uh, you know, and in the 80s, it, they hadn't done much to repair it. But it was um, very left-right, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we have got a fantastic yeah, street circuit totally. here. You know? Mm, just, just, that's... Yeah.
what do you think? Is there a chance that we could maybe just for capacity reasons uh, move back to the old F1 track? It's been talked about many times, isn't it? Like keep bringing it up, don't they? And I don't want to mention Roger Cook. Think, no, well, Roger Cook is chairman. And he said to me once, yeah. over my dead body would we do yeah. that. And I wondered what that really meant. Well, probably over your dead body, but um, knowing Roger, <laughs> he's fairly literal. But um, no, I think the, the thing about that is, you know, we've gone from 3.78 down to 3.22, but we've lost the banana. But, but we get more corporate. All that. That's right. Um, and, you know, I'll be totally frank about this. There was a couple of reasons to go to 3.22 to shorten the circuit. One was less traffic disruption. Yeah. We, we, you know, there was less okay. of that uh, east-west traffic disruption mm-hmm. in another part of town. The second reason was, and I'm not quite sure this was right, but it was certainly told to me um, from day one, is that Channel 10, Network 10 in those days that uh, had the, the telecast for the V8 supercars said, shorter circuit, more laps, Excuse me, cars go past more often. Right. Yeah. Which is probably not a bad theory. Um, but as most of you guys would know, there's probably not a driver amongst the current Formula One crop, not the uh, Formula One, uh, current V8 supercar crop, not that many of them experience the long circuit, but there's not one of them that wouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, I think it would be personally. I, I just love it. Yeah, know, I, I think, think that. Be I think that banana bend and, and really making that straight. Well, you really raced on it, so. Yeah. Yes, I did. I yeah. raced on it in my Formula Two car in a number of years, and um, it was just a sensational circuit. Not that it's not a bad circuit now; it's a bloody good one. But it was very, you know, to use the Bruce McIverney, it was very special. It, it really was. Well, really, and it was around banana bend and stag up Rundle Road, and I mean. Uh, the corner on Quenable Terrace by Mort, uh, the Malthouse Towers thing, that changed almost as much as we've changed Turn 8. But, I mean, that corner at some stages of the Grand Prix, that was super fast. It was a, an extraordinary corner. And then you just blasted down to Quenable, and, um, you know, it was a great circuit. And Quenable was a long straight. It was a long straight. Was I, I was here uh, for 85 for the first event. Uh, and it was, I think it was my, my second trip ever to Adelaide. And, and there I had a, a seat at Brewery Bend to see uh, Alan Jones go past yeah. in the Haas Lola. <laughs> yep. Beatrice Lola. Hall, Haas for the first time. Yeah, and yes. someone explained what Green Death meant. Because <laughs> you're at the brewery, of course. <laughs> I, I didn't know that, and then I came back in uh, in, in in '87, and I unfortunately I didn't meet JP till till after the event was uh, was over and through the Apple Well, industry. funny you should but, mention. But but oh, just, just just while I've got this, Steve, I just I wanted to just uh, stick to, to to Mike for a sec because um, actually you've got your fingers in all sorts of pies where you go whack back a long way um, not only media director I think Stalker of the Fink Rally that's right and and you'd been certainly in charge the last time I'd seen of, of, of manage everyone in humidity up in the Northern Territory yes for the uh, Hidden Valley round yes but, and, uh, the and the Solar and Challenge the World and the Solar Challenge, Challenge. I've, I've come back to that uh, last yeah. year for the I'd done a couple earlier on um, and for various reasons, one of which that I had a, another contract doing a, another event, but 
I hadn't done a World Sailor Challenge for a few years, and it's now under the South Australian Motorsport Board, and I did it last year for the first time for about, I don't know, eight, ten years, which was terrific. But what we really want to get back to is a little bit of activity that you um, did on the beachfront. <laughs> in the Channel 9 days, in 1970, I believe. It was, uh, we've done a little bit of digging. Channel 2, back at 6.30pm on the 3rd of the 2nd, 2003, you were on a little show with George Negus about the beach girl quests. Yeah. <laughs> and you were the quest compare in 1970 and compared nine of the beach that, girl quests. I did, I did. As a news reporter in Channel 9. I was working as Channel 9 as a news reporter. And you've got to remember that in those days, Channel 9 Adelaide was like a mini Hollywood. And I say that in all sincerity, because, I mean, television has changed. But in those days, Channel 9 Adelaide, Tint Street, had Adelaide Tonight as a sort of variety show. It had a country and western show. It had live kids shows. It was, and it had a thing called a Beach Girl Quest, which was obviously held over summer. And I was, I left the advertiser as a newspaper journalist and gone to Channel 9 as a news reporter. And I was approached by somebody in one of the sort of production areas, because I was news. And, oh, Mike, would you like to compare the Beach Girl Quest over the summer? <laughs> and I thought, now, is that a good career move for serious journalism? But at that age, I thought, well, who cares? Um, <laughs> it's a summer good. sport. <laughs> it's a summer sport. And it's a 2020 game. Um, it was short-lived, but it's... Um, it didn't pay very well, but it was a very enjoyable summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were lots of smiles going That's on. That's right. Yeah. But did you get there? Well, any more dirt? Got, I've got some other interesting dirt? here. Come on. We were talking earlier about the eighties and the Grand Prix track and how Mike's driven the Grand Prix track yeah. the full the full uh, distance there. And the nineteen eighty seven Australia's <laughs> Drivers Championship was one of the most unique that's ever been run because it was the first year the championship was restricted to Australian Formula 2 cars and is the only year in which the title has been awarded on the results of a single race. One and race. guess who won? David Brabham. Brabs. Brabs. Mm. And guess who DNF'd? <laughs> if it hadn't been for mechanical failure... He I'm had to get to the beach. If it, if, it, if it hadn't been for mechanical failure, Brabham may well not be where he was now. So, isn't that amazing? Oh, oh dear, that'll be a, that'll be so, a PF chain yeah, discussion when we meet up in this. Say when I DNF, which car no, was I in? Was so I in the Cheetah? I don't think you made the start. That was in the Toyota, was it? We were trying to work this out the other day. Well, it's very interesting because a guy that... You can take that home. Thank you very much. <laughs> because two of my Formula old Formula Two cars, the, the Cheetah uh, Mark Seven and um, uh, the Richards, have been bought by various people over the years. And um, funnily enough, within the last two months, I've been contacted by the current owners of both, wanting photographs and you know the, the history all the and all this stuff. sort of yep. stuff. And the guy that's got the Cheetah is wanting to know because we actually took the Toyota out of it eventually and put a, a Golf a VW motor in it and he's trying to work out when he when we did that and we can't remember so there you go and obviously I shouldn't have because I dnf <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's pretty funny. I can see we could go on for hours. We could, if actually. If we did yeah, delving yeah. back into it's the time. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at those names there. David Bradman. And I'll tell you one thing about that, which um, 
and I've got no idea whether it was right or not. David did win that, that race. And actually, I was talking to David at Homebush, and of course, he's been very supportive of Tom over in the US. But when he won that race, um, there was post-race scrutineering, which uh, which didn't bother me a lot because <laughs> um, I hadn't sort of you know, moved the scoreboard much. Um, but they there was a big rumour going around because Australian Formula Two was five-speed gearbox, and with a Hewland Mark Seven, you could, if you took reverse gear out of them, six-speed. <laughs> and they weren't checking it. There was lots of rumours. Say no more. <laughs> but there was lot because I know some people who had six speeded them yep. at other events. Um, and of course there was rumours going around and actually and it was good on that long circuit because with that long straight and whatever, a six speed gearbox was a bit of a hit. Well it's only cheating mm. if you get caught. Yeah, <laughs> so. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> and speaking of which, before we move off into mm. technology land, which we must um, in fact, the show just doesn't have enough time to, to talk about all the, the pies uh, that you're involved with, but you, you, you have the, we'll the Westport car still though. coming into Australia with, with Terry Little, and, and Tom, you cut your teeth on that to win the Thundersport category in, yeah, in yes. 07, which was, a, which was a great move. How's the product moving? In it? The GTs? Uh, the, no, the, the West? West? Oh, the West. The West, I mean, look, um, and... A lot of people think I've influenced this, which I can honestly say I haven't. Um, and in fact, quite the opposite, that Supersports are on Clipsal this year, uh, which obviously is the West and the Radicals and the Minettis and whatever. Yep. And, um, and conceptually, these, these things like the, the Aquila. Yeah, you know, right. and, yeah. And the Chevrons, which, exactly. which is exactly... Yeah, yeah. which will come out uh, next year. Uh, sure. <coughs> Get some out here. Um, you know, and cheap enough cars that people can... People and while I am on the motorsport committee of the Eclipse, I actually stood aside from that one because I said it is... I've, I've got a perceived... It's getting awkward for you. perceived mm. vested interest yeah. in it, which I haven't because I, I have no but association with the West or whatever. The detractors could, could pin you down. But they can be it. very quick yeah. in saying it, you know, Drew is sort of doing, doing a bit of a deal here. But um, the West, I think, are going very, very well. And what Tom did with them, you know, before he went across to the States, actually proved the point. Um, it's very interesting because... Now Radical, um, which you know is the, the big rival, if you like, the English Radical cars. I mean, they've got a heap of those up in Eastern Creek. Uh, they run very well in the New South Wales Super Sports Championship, they call it. And Greg Steerer's got many Wests as well. And, and he's got very much. And look, you know, for instance, at Clipsal, it looks like there's going to be ten or twelve Wests, about the same number of Radicals. Um, I was looking at the, the, the stuff the other day. Probably going to be thirty odd cars. I, again, because I love sports cars. This should be uh, exciting. And, and they are fast little motor cars. Let's hope they're sustainable. That's right. So I think they're on the... What uh, Tom did with West, uh, you know, three years ago, or whatever, started it. Um, he pretty much put it on the map in Australia. Yep, and I mean, we're very fortunate. Greg Steer, who owns West Australia and has got an investment in the parent company in America, gave Tom the opportunity. Um... Well, that's exactly what got me over to the States. Mm -hmm. I mean, without that involvement, I wouldn't have gone and raced for West in yeah, America. I, so, I could well. definitely say but, that. But, but, I mean, it, it is an option for people who want to go motor racing and go motor racing with, with a sophisticated car, which is, you know, in terms of lap times or whatever, only just below Formula 3, you know, um, and that 
allows another option in Australian motorsport. I know I bang on about it, despite the fact I earn a lot of my income and spend a lot of my time with V8 supercars and love them, but we do need other categories in Australia. And we, I mean, we probably actually have too many, but we need, what I'm saying, more viable categories. Because there is more than V8 supercars. At an affordable level. Exactly right. I mean, interesting, like, OzGTs uh, decided to go, look, we're going to give nationals a flick, we're going to go down the supercar channel, sort of, you know, and, and yeah, that's a good thing. It looks like it's in pretty healthy shape. Um, yeah, Gary I mean, Little's doing a great job. Yeah, I mean, mm. I mean, GT is in very, very healthy shape. It's but, funny, isn't it? Because it's turned around so quick. Oh, well, it did. I mean, like, for instance, when the Porsche guys broke away, whatever... Uh, and GT took a took a breather, and just rewinding viewers there that there was there was a bit of an issue I suppose that would have been uh, when Carrera Cup had uh, had basically got canned at the beginning of '09. You suddenly ended up with a whole lot of unusable like cup cars, but at the same time you had another a fraction within faction rather within uh, the GT camp there which were maybe like the second tier as such and, and they wanted to take control of it yeah. I'm a bit not quite no, exactly no, no, sure no. how I think, that's a, everyone's I, think that's a fair, I think that's a fair assessment and I look I mean, there's nothing new in any of that it's not derogatory to any of the parties involved because that's motorsport but it's, all, it's all the oh, cream for rising yeah, isn't it but um, when you think what happened to Nations Cup and, uh, and a bit of a hiccup with uh, the GT when the Porsche thing happened, then Carrera Cup fell over, um, and I have happened to have a view that one may series championships have limited lives. I mean, if you look at the history of them over the oh, anywhere, doesn't matter what they are. Yeah. yeah, they do tend to have limited lives, but GT has, I think, got it, and I'm involved with them, so. I think the formula that, that they have with, with five, five cars per yeah, mark is the right solution. Yeah, it's it's yeah. got to be like one of the strongest GT championships in the world. Mm. Yeah, they go, all right, okay, so if this mark's full, find yeah. another mark. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll create what parity a, to bring you in. Yeah. But what an awesome, you know, what an awesome product. I mean, if you're a, as a fan, you get to see all these different cars, all these different marks actually racing head to head. I exactly. mean, it really is. Yeah. I mean, I can remember when I was... A little kid in Need for Speed came out. And on that point, sitting on Ayrton Senna's lap. No, <laughs> if you go to TomDrew.com, you'll see. Well, not on his lap, but yeah, that's a great shot. But I don't, don't, he gave I me a digress. piece of chocolate cake, actually. <laughs> Probably sitting right. on Nigel's and knee or something. And lollies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, getting back to the GT thing and, and with what's happened and I mean Homebush was a classic example we had Martin Short out from Moser in the UK who drove at the good Bathurst good guy yeah yes. lovely bloke drove at the Bathurst 24 hour Qantas in flight yeah uh, <laughs> and um, we also had Warren Mosler who now right. lives in the Bahamas or whatever but uh, tax but, dodge yeah well I think so yeah. um, St Martin but the, but, the, but the man himself and alright the Moser didn't didn't do much at, uh, at Homebush but both it came those. second uh, with Martin Short at the 2003 24-hour. It did. Uh, with the X, X Market branding. That's right. But as I say, at home, Bush, it didn't do a lot um, in, a, in, a, in the GT race because there was a few problems. Hob. Um, yes. But the fact is both those guys said, and I, I don't think they were blowing smoke in anybody's posterior, they said, look, you, you guys have basically got it right because you've got a very healthy a, a GT championship. And... You know, the, the, the paratisation between uh, the GT3 cars of, you know, either ride height, 
it restrictors uh, or weight seems to have worked and the fact that we've now almost when I say we GT have almost filled spots for you know four Moslers mm. five Gallardos Lambos a couple of Astons uh, Mark Eddy Audi yeah mm. that will be racing at Clipsal uh, it's one of the only Audi GT3 cars that's been let loose out of Europe very very exciting yeah. stuff right. and, 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 and look it, you know, they're, they're, they're wealthy amateur racing drivers that's right by the way but, you know, but as Tom said people love to see those cars and you know the what cars they say are, the cars are the stars you know? yeah exactly the cars are the stars you know what they say about billionaires yeah. motor racing's the quickest way to make them into millionaires <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that'll, that'll all be good and I mean I, I, and, and, and as a final note on GT before we move off to Tech Tom is um, that uh, like the, 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 the Mosler path has had a bit of an unfortunate uh, marketing not marketing but the people behind it you know um, have uh, have sort of, you know, had had all sorts of all sorts of trouble and um, yeah. Uh, who was it who brought first recently brought it in uh, and uh, John Chulin. John Chulin and John Chulin has gone. Look, he had an accident. He's retired and then poor old uh, Johnny Briggs has taken the gig over. Yeah. And John poor, got, John poor got sick. Got sick and uh, and has pulled out of GT for now. Um, hopefully he'll be back. But that's not. To, to say that the brand is anything less than a, a really great product no, it's been and, doing very well no, in, and in, I mean the Europe. thing about it is it was a great shame about John and I, I understand that, that John might be a, a little bit on the road to recovery yeah that's great. very serious illness but um, the uh, the Quinns Tony Quinn um, has, oh yeah Tony has, Quinn's taken it has now got two Moses and his son Clark might drive one Oh, right. um, and, and I mean, obviously, the way those guys with their VIP pet foods play. <laughs> Mate, um, there's money in kangaroo tails. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. Um, you see you that know, factory up there? They've yeah. obviously got the budget to run those sorts of things. Mm. And young, I mean, Tony's no mean steer, and young Clark, actually, I've been very impressed with him. They are both um, really, really good. I mean, I've, you know, I've uh, had the, you know, the, the enjoyment of racing against them in, in tarmac rallying in, in Mount Buller and here in Classic Adelaide. Mm. Mate, they're, they're on it. Yep, you know. Uh, so, so and, there's, and, and I like their dryness. Yeah, yeah. And so, a couple of people that have got, um, you know, that, that have got the budgets to run the Moses are in there. Um, you know, Ash Samardi, who actually had a drive of your West, didn't he, Tom? Yeah, up in Queensland. Yeah, yeah Ash Samardi uh, is uh, is bought another bought another one of the Moses, and um, we've got McPherson, who's got uh, one as well. So, all of that's good. Um, you know, it's it's very good just to see those cars on the track. Well, it's time now for... Tech time! He always has to go overboard, doesn't he? No, no, that's not overboard. What's not overboard? Much. Okay, viewers. So what have you got? Well, I'll tell you what I've got today. Speaking of tech talk, I just want to say, viewers... What are they watching? <laughs> well, they're listening. They're listeners. They're listeners. No, they're, no, 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 they're not. They're, if they were listeners, they'd be watching. Don't you remember the old famous Paul Hogan saying? G'day, viewers. <laughs> and that's how we always start. We like to. G'day, viewers. We do video occasionally. We call them listeners. 
Pretty much the same thing. There's nothing. <laughs> racing, racing drivers. Oh, look, racing drivers. Yeah, too focused. <laughs> well, uh, Apple has released a boot camp update 3.1 for Windows support for Windows today. Windows 7. Uh, Ash, I'm going to hand that to you because I make you know more about that. Um, what's going on? You haven't said a word for a yeah, moment. Yeah, come on, Ash. Right, we'll give you a moment to study about that. But on the on the 27th of uh, Jan, 27th of Jan, yeah, bone up. Apple have, a, have sent an invite out for everybody to come and see our next big thing. They're never going to deliver a tablet. It's all rubbish. Everyone's been going on it for ages. I know. Uh, Tom, what uh, what sort of platform do you use, mate? Are you a Mac or PC? Actually, I mean, Mac. Oh, that's good. I knew he was good. You know, it's 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 you know, it's not their fault that ten percent of the world create the content the other ninety percent look at. <laughs> no, I've always, I mean, always loved nice the Mac. seats in the media centre. Mike for Mac use. Who's doing the Mac and not porn? Ten percent, ninety percent. No, it's porn. Uh, uh, you know, red chips, red chips free. Yes. <laughs> no, just uh, no. It's funny. I've always used a Mac, and um, particularly with I used to do graphic design and uh, was an art director for Cleminger B Video. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's always uh, there's always been a Mac in front of me, but um, but I'd actually I'd love to get one of their new ones because I think it's finally the capability you can run uh, the PC on the Mac as well, and so for data software. Yep. Well, there you go, and in fact we have to maybe we should have pointed out that JP owns the the Apple Center <laughs> here in Norwood. <laughs> you can't call it an Apple Center anymore. Apple will be. Oh, or what, what? Mosquitoes? Mac Center. Yeah, mosquitoes. Yeah. See, Tom, you're talking to a sponsor. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Funny how, why does everybody say that? Just <laughs> give us money. That's right. Can I answer? But say you're a bit of a Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, Quark Express kind of guy. I am. And you, you know, know you, I sold you know your first two Macs. Really? I sold Clemenger their first two Macs when they were on Green Hill Road. Yeah, yep. right. So how about that? Gee, that was a long time. You were probably doing nappies then, though. He's, he's, he's just getting extra stars. He's, he's, getting, he's getting the first porn of the night. Uh, so anyway, party. what else you got? Oh, you want me to stop? Oh, Ash. Oh, look, I was just going to say, I think it's a case in point when Mac have to actually build software so you, so Mac users can boot into Windows. Look, look, cool. you know, you've been left oh, back on this show you've been go. left back on this show after <laughs> no, being good for a not abusing Mac for a while. We had to can you and here's Tom going along and saying, saying I want dual platform. Yeah. Come on, give him the love like go and research that well, we'll come back to you. Got to. Yeah. God, However damn. there's about ten Macs here that Okay, that it doesn't support, so that's a bit of a worry. But they're all up there, they'll be old ones, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently, there is a new version of Bootcamp that you'll be able to download immediately, free of charge, as long as you have a proper version of Windows 7, and you'll be able to, with a new machine or you partition your driver, be able to have that dual boot operating solution. Although, there are uh, two other uh, op- uh, solutions there as well, whether you use VM Fusion or yes. Parallels. Parallels, which yeah. is a product which, which does it all for yeah, you. And then you, then you don't have to worry about boot camp anyway because it's just a, a Windows partition on your hard drive. And Max keep infiltrating. I noticed today on uh, Formula1.com that the head of Renault Formula1 has a Mac sitting on his desk. So oh, that's always good to see. They're increasingly showing oh, yeah. the, just, the, 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 the top of their laptop on TV shows, aren't they? Sort of everywhere. Yesterday, and I said to him, so how long you had a Mac? He goes, oh, not very long. He said, I've just switched over from Windows recently, but I love it. And it's like, well, okay, that's good. 
So you just keep looking. Like it's not. It's not like we want to be evangelistic. You know, we've been around for a long, long time. Twenty years doing all this. Interesting how you guys are talking about this because I'm a journo that started off with typewriter. Uh oh. Uh oh. He's coming across. Yeah, I'm coming across. And I mean, I use a computer every day, hour upon hour upon hour. And when anything goes wrong, which it frequently does with me, yes. um, and the fact that Tom's Tom's my sort of. Uh, consultant on these things. Even from Atlanta. And so I Skype him and say, yeah, Tom, uh, yeah, I can't write out what this is, thing's meant to be doing. And I get these sort of sighs and going, gee, you're dumb. <laughs> and then, you know, he was sort of sorted out. Oh, Mike, you've no idea what a media pass will do for him. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yes, yeah, so um, uh, January 27, the, the much Apple rumoured event. Uh, Apple event. Perhaps and I, I uh, a tablet, you know. I mean, everyone's heard about this for so long. Who cares? And then later it is on, or it is isn't. Or what are we going to do? Well, where, where is the tablet going to be positioned? Are we going to are we going to have a, 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 a hello, mum? I've got a ten inch tablet next to my ear. Like I look like a dickhead in a restaurant. Um, oh, hang on, let me just scratch that photo away. Who knows what's what that's going to be? Know. It has to be something very very unusual and compelling. And they um, the, the rumours are saying that. The interface, uh, the, the the touch screen, could actually elevate almost like a braille surface, uh, which would probably then be useful yep. to people who are blind. True. Well, which, braille which surface, goes, blind people. Why do they need a screen, mate? True. Why do they need it? Well, they've had I the beer know. and the egg. Yeah. <laughs> beer and the egg. Which came first? And then supposedly <laughs> later on this year, a 22-inch touch screen iMac. That's the rumour. Oh, you just, you just, you just throwing that in. That's one of those um, China Mac show. times, yeah. you know, China times no, things. But you're with me. I'm, I'm, I'm not there. Mac. Yeah. No, 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 she's not Mac either. Although he's got an iPhone. Which he's he been banned for years, but he's he's he's, he's, yeah. he's come back because he's got an iPhone, yeah. and now he's he's softened his strategy. However, I only got an iPhone when I got Active Sync working with Microsoft Exchange Server. Okay, prior to that, it was heap of shit. <laughs> Can you say that? That's the technical term, yeah. is it? <laughs> okay, uh, I want to move on to a, 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 a new book that's now available on Blurb, uh, blurb.com. Uh, Mark Llewellyn, uh, alias Escort, yes, who came down here um, uh, as a guest of, uh, of you during Classic Adelaide. And, and also, I was very kind enough of Chris Nixon, who's uh, taken over the, uh, the gig at... Uh, Classic Adelaide. Adelaide. Classic Adelaide. Yeah. Um, a great bloke. He is a good, great bloke. bloke. I mean, he, yeah. he's he's the, he's one of those guys that you'll find in the media centre at five to twelve, and you go, look, Chris, can you turn the light out when you leave because he's not real quick getting the con in there. But he's a to- totally good bloke. Uh, Mark Llewellyn has taken some some really really wonderful photos, and what he's done is he's focused on 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 people outside of the race cars. Which and is in what fact, we were taking the mickey out of him for we were. during the Classic Adelaide. At, at Goolwa, we, uh, on, on the second day, we were thinking, well, what are you doing, Mark? And he was taking photos. With, he had a, a new EOS uh, a 5, 5D Mark II, and he was taking sh- close-up shots of the hand delivering the time the card back to the nervous navigator receiving it. And it was actually really quite interesting. So he's um, he's come up with a... A, uh, a book called Selected Views and it's available on blurb.com forward slash books 1147603 and I'll say that because Chris uh, McClellan from V8 Central who's our regular um, show note person. show note scribe 
who's also a regular V8 uh, supercar. Hello, Mr. Chris. Again. Thanks for that. Uh, or you can buy it at bookstore slash detail 1147603. Should be good. Um, yeah, George and Vicky came up with a bit of a website. I thought, hang on, wrong car. Uh, <laughs> we don't need that anymore. But the number one thing that I've uh, seen recently, and this has come out of uh, the Consumer Electronics Show in uh, in Las Vegas last yep. week, is the Boxy Box. Now, um, you're, you're over <laughs> over there. You, you know, you're, Classic you know, bit Tom, of you're, you're used to things like Netflix and, and, and all this sort of internet-based content. Uh, up until now, you had to have a computer which could grab all this stuff and, and then deliver it to your TV screen. Hello. Boxy is a, is a software tool that you can install on, on various platforms, but Boxy, the Boxy Box concept is being devised by D-Link, people who manufacture a lot of networking Rouse products, and, yep. and as a standalone device, it just simply connects to the internet and it delivers HDMI out and gives you access to all the TV channels that you wouldn't be able to get through a normal set-top box. Everything that you could possibly imagine, movies, the lot, on a worldwide basis, anywhere. Um, Almost looks like it needs to be in the Guggenheim Museum. <laughs> or MoMA, yeah. It's quite a clever design it that it's sitting design, on top, because, you know, sort of the, the way I look at it is I go, well, no one's going to put anything on top of us. <laughs> That's right. It's definitely looking like We're on the top of the stack. Clever design. Boxy Box. Uh, you'll find it. Just go Boxy, B-O-X-E-E, Box. There you go. Australia Day. No, no, just before Australia Day, and back to what we were talking about before and the Apple tablet and all that sort of stuff, there was news this week that LG Display have developed a flexible e-newspaper screen. So you can actually basically uh, get your content delivered. It's almost as large as a tabloid newspaper. Uh, Measures 25 centimetres by 40 centimetres, which is about a 19-inch diagonal, um, and only 0.3 millimetres thin, so it's bendable. So complete you actually rubbish. Get you need to go and have a look at Pixel Q-I. Chi. A Chi spelled Q-I-P-I-X-E-L-Q-I.com and you'll realise that that's way dated and uh, this is the, um, the final oh, solution. Very interesting. Because everybody's been talking about yeah, the flexible e-newspaper. behind the times. Now, while we're actually on that subject, very, very quickly, viewers, Google... Um, no, sorry, go to YouTube... And uh, Google, I think it's the it? Sun newspaper, have just done a, um, uh, a promotion that is just incredibly clever about the print media not going out of fashion and being there, being immediate, being readable, being big screen, uh, can't crash, da 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 incredibly clever bit of advertising. So, uh, suss out Sun newspaper ad uh, on, on uh, YouTube. Australia Day is coming round. What does everybody do? Sam Kegovich has been doing an international the land. A gig there. Japer, you've got a bit of something. But well, there's uh, a, I think we all need to say what we do on Australia Day for I a think meal. we do too, but just before we do that, I'm not going to do this whole recipe thing, but there's a fantastic uh, website out there, which is cuisine.com. Um, cuisine.com.au. Um, if you get on there and search for double lamb cutlets... There's a fantastic recipe for double lamb cutlets with mashed peas and garlic. And uh, if you want, can we have a little look at the picture there? Yep, the picture looks. Show the viewers, internal viewers, the internal (laughs) listeners. Yep, the listeners. And um, so, go for that if you want to have lamb chops on uh, on Australia Day. 
Tom, what would you have? Uh, and jeez, aren't you lucky you're here? Because you could have been gone. I mean, what what what, what, what would have happened? Well, uh, it's actually very hard to get Australian lamb in Atlanta. And get a bit of New Zealand inferior lamb, but uh, it's probably the closest you'll get. Well, but, you so I'll definitely be having some uh, Australian lamb on Australia Day, okay. and uh, that that'll do me. I, I can. But how how lamb. how do you prefer your lamb? Back Just chops on the barbie. Chop chops to chump. Although I had some backstrap the other day, that was fantastic. Yep. So, no, nah, just, I'm pretty simple when it comes to lamb. I'll take it any way it comes, as long as it's a little cooked, you know? <laughs> Father of Tom? I prefer my lamb cooked by somebody else. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> Very answer. good answer. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, would it be a, a leg? Would it be a, a little cutelette? Uh, you, know, you know, because I'm reaching my sort of... Uh, Elderly, elderly era. Elderly junior age. That's right. I actually roast lamb. I still think it's the best thing. And I mean, people talk about all these fancy foods and, you know, every TV show. TV shows about cooking and bloody food that's got, <laughs> you know, two mustachians on a plate and wah, 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 and all the rest of it. Mustachians. Yeah. Is that for but, someone else? But a good roast dinner, I reckon, is the best thing. Yeah, roast lamb, roast potatoes, peas, all of that stuff. I just love it. Ash? Yeah, I would have to, uh, what's the word? Concur, Concur with uh, Mike. Roast lamb with a bucket load of garlic, some peas and beans with just a little, just a few bacon chips or maybe a little bit of pine nut, some nice mashed potato, creamy mashed potato. Uh, most definitely blows my skirt up. <laughs> In a manner of speaking. Well, viewers, it's come time for the teppanyaki time. These uh, four um, rat bags are going to um, be subject to, hardy, to my uh, cooking here. Are you a little bit worried? Uh, come on. Uh, uh, we're going to have prawns. Oh, actually, we're not starting with prawns. We're starting with a little bit of... I can't think of the fish. But it'll come to me in a moment. A bit of fish, prawns, and some very nice dry-aged sirloin and a special fried rice with all the condiments. What do you think, Teppanyaki Central? Uh, it sounds fantastic, yeah. but not, not worried. Deep fried? <laughs> not fried, not worried. <laughs> sounds That's good to me. Good. Tom, all the best for next year, mate. Um, yeah, absolutely. Hope it all goes well, and uh, I look forward to coming over there and, and seeing you sometime during the year. So. Um, Best, best of luck. Yeah, thank you. It should be an exciting season. Mike, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, certainly, you know, let's uh, see if we can wrestle back that, wrestle back that trophy from those Tansville tosses. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, well, that's it. I mean, yeah. we've actually that's a, we got a bit of a hard act to follow there because you know, I mean, Townsville. I mean, what can you talk about for you know, far north Queensland? I mean. Yeah, it is a hard. Uh, act interesting that. Yeah, we'll give it our best shot. Thanks for coming on, Ash. This has been the best show that I haven't contributed to for quite a while. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> un unfortunately I have a 10.30 meeting with you in the morning, so we'll talk further. But thanks, and, and hope you enjoy the evening. And JP, once again, thanks for being part of uh, our regular show. No worries, Harvey. It's, been, I think, a, it's I think been a great evening. It's been very, very good. In some respects, I think 140 has some sort of magical number, but I can't yeah, quite I work out why. I think we'll put our finger on it when we listen back to it somehow. But there you go. But all the best, Tom. Cheers, Have a great you. season in the US.
Good night, viewers. Good night, viewers. Good night. Viewers. Good night. Viewers. Yeah. Ow, or spewers. <laughs> I'm still reading these time sheets when I'm doing it. Good work. <laughs>